Hi everyone, and welcome back to The Matcha Diaries, the podcast where your hosts, Cara and Leo, talk about topics that are close to our hearts and try to navigate our 20s as best as possible. This week's episode is part two of our chat with the amazing registered dietitian Mallory Page, aka Mousefoot Kitchen on Instagram. Even just listening back to this episode whilst editing reminded me again of what an incredibly valuable conversation this was and I took so much away from this so I really hope you do too. We chat about the idea of body neutrality versus loving your body, the difference between pretending to prioritize your health and actually putting your health first, dispel some common food myths and so much more. Also, just an FYI because we mentioned this topic at the end of the episode, this was recorded the day the Harry and Meghan interview came out, so we obviously had no clue of the media reaction that was to follow their interview. But anyways, we really hope you enjoy this episode and definitely DM us with any of your thoughts on The Matcha Diaries on Instagram. body neutrality versus loving your body unconditionally I was wondering what are your thoughts on that oh I know this is so tough (laughs) this is such a tough conversation because everybody is so different and I just think everybody comes from a different place with their body and Mm. even I mean if you dive into the whole ED mindset of your body that makes it a whole nother level complicated but just going to keep it more simplistic of like the day-to-day person I feel like the thing is is that it just seems really scary if you're at a point of even like unsadly self-hatred or even just like unhappiness with your body to think that you have to transform to loving it and it's not to say that's not possible but (laughs) it's just like that sounds like a lot that's like Mm -hmm. saying the first time you meet someone you hate them right or you really don't like them and oh you're gonna fall in love with them it's like uh hello no thank you I don't think I will So I think it's like, if you can work to accept that though, and be a little bit more neutral to that, it sounds a little bit more doable and you can actually take those steps. And it's also, it's just, everybody lands at a different place with their body. And I think that's okay, but it's just that ongoing process being okay with the ebbs and flows. And I think that, and maybe I'm wrong with this and maybe there are people that feel this way. So I never want to discount that, but I don't think there's anybody that truly wakes up every single day and loves their body completely to its core all Mm -hmm. the time. I think it's just like maybe some days you feel all the way like that and other days it's a little bit lower and it's okay to have that as long as it doesn't go in these huge waves that bring you like totally up and totally down. And I think that's the same kind of idea. Just working towards a little bit more of like comfort with where you're at, whatever that looks like. (laughs) And I posted about this the other day in a picture that I didn't really like of myself. I just didn't think I looked very good. And then I realized after it took me a second, so I didn't do this right away. But uh, after going back to it, I just realized I was like, but that is my body. Like that's the same body that I look at in a different picture and I like, and even I love. And so what is different about this picture? It's just how I perceive it because no one else is going to think of it that way other than me. Yet again, I will say though, very lucky obviously to have a socially acceptable quote unquote body and 
like race and all those things, that's a whole separate conversation. But at the same time, like at its core, it's like you decide how you feel about your body and yourself. You're the one making that decision. And I think realizing that and starting to accept that your body does look like that in all Mm -hmm. different angles in the end becomes very empowering because you feel like you have the decision to choose how you feel about yourself rather than a picture deciding how you feel every second that you see it, you know, like one picture can ruin your full day. So that took me a little while, (laughs) like, well, a little while. It took me forever. Right. I mean, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, I think that's more motivating than thinking every time you take a picture, you're like, wow, I am beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Since you're talking about like comparing pictures, I was interested in your post. I'm not sure when you posted it, but you were talking about um, or like trying to get people to relate to the idea of looking at an old picture of themselves and being like, why did I think I was fat then? And like now you're looking at it and you're so like you realize you weren't and you were kind of saying that it was it's you at the end of the day it isn't your body that's the problem it's your mind so is can you like elaborate more on that um because I think that's something a lot of at least like teenagers and young girls do is we at least I do I look back at old photos and there's always a comment where I'm like oh I was so skinny then and I remember feeling fat that day so um I think it would be good to get people to understand why we do that and then how to probably cope from that as well so I'm curious to what yeah you have to say yeah I'm definitely not an expert I feel like on body image I'm sure there's like therapists people that do their work in this it could even go more in depth and like maybe the mental reasons as to why which would be really interesting but what I've seen is it's it's really just starting to think about what is the difference between your picture that picture and your body now and also what was the standard of what you were wanting in that picture versus what you looked like And I think when you start to think about that idea, it's where you start to realize, okay, it's actually the standards that I set for myself that define Mm -hmm. how I feel about myself and also the influences that set those standards, right? So this is where we kind of go back into those conversations of, is it internal? Is it external? So even thinking about how much does, how how much do I get affected by the people I consume on social media? Mm. And how does that make me feel about my body? Because if you look at models all day long, you're Mm going to start to feel some type of way about yourself. (laughs) I mean, even if you look at, I see this a lot of time with people following fitness influencers. Doesn't mean that that person is doing anything wrong. It just means it's not where you should be looking right now because it sets up an unrealistic standard in yourself. So I think a lot of the time it's understanding where is my body at right now and why am I unhappy with it? What do I think that I need to look like? And also what do I think it will bring me if I look like that? And when you start to think about that, you start to realize kind of the reasons you think that's important versus then comparing that to, okay, wait, so I think that if I am this number or this type of body or this strength level, I will be more loved, more accepted, more attractive to other people. But at the same time, I can recognize putting that into context that I looked the way that I wanted back then. And I still didn't feel that way, which just highlights this never ending search for these things, which actually is just an unhappiness within ourselves. Yeah, and I find it so interesting that you said that, especially because 
with like with exposure online there's so many changing body ideals and now you just saying that has made me realize that yeah probably at that moment of time uh smaller hips were like more in trend and and you try yeah. to look that certain way because of what you were seeing online and it's so hard to try keep compete when like our bodies aren't made to change to fit these ideals and it's just I don't know it's it's insane that we like I don't know five years ago what I what photos I was interacting with to make me have those like body image ideals which is so interesting I never I never thought of it that way so yeah it is it's kind of like I know when I was growing up it was like the thigh gap thing and then you know yeah. when I was going tumblr yeah right tumblr and then I was going to college <laughs> and it was the fitness influencer thing that was really big at least what I was consuming and then now it's like everybody's supposed to look like Kim K and I'm like okay so that's different (laughs) you know like not exactly but it's like you're supposed to now have like a small waist but also big boobs but also a big butt but also be like perfect in every way I'm like okay so now we're just creating the perfect woman that is like literally impossible Mm -hmm. even with filters now they're doing that which is insane but I think that is a good way to look at it is like, what are we even consuming at that time that forms the body standard we think we should have? And then recognizing that if that's what we base our worth off of, it's impossible. It's unrealistic. <laughs> yeah. I had a bit of a more like random tangenty question, but I saw mm-hmm. that on like some of your recent <laughs> stories, you've been diagnosed with uh, Epstein-Barr. And I was wondering mm-hmm. if you could like talk about your experience with this and like how like a physical being diagnosed with like a physical illness maybe then also affects how you then view food again or your own health yeah I don't think that's a tangent at all I love that question but (laughs) I think that was so such a weird thing because I had been searching my whole life for why not my whole life that's an exaggeration but I got I got diagnosed with mono when I was (laughs) I think honestly when I looked back at it I was never formally diagnosed, but I I had it. I just know, I knew how to deal with feeling like that. And so I think that was all the way back to my junior year of high school. So that was like, what was so crazy about it. So I was, I think I was 16 and now I'm 23. So that's how long I had been dealing with like feeling like constantly exhausted, having brain fog, like not feeling like myself, like all of these things. And I remember the decline of my health back then, but it was just like, that became my norm. Anyways, to get to your actual question, it was a very validating feeling because I felt finally like I had this reason, but at the same time, it's weird because now I'm supposed to look more at food too. And like, okay, these are things that you should avoid more because they help the replication and the dormancy of this virus. And I was luckily at a place now where I can take out those foods and also have a balance with it. Because like for me, if I'm not supposed to eat eggs, I love eggs. But at the same time, I don't care if I can't eat them in the day to day. But if I really want eggs, I will still eat them. Like, I don't care. (laughs) That's And that's what my balance looks like, which that's different for everybody because we're all different. But with my past, I have to be mindful of things that could be a rabbit hole for me. And I'm, I always want to like kind of check that as I'm going into different things. But at the same time, it's been a very humbling process going back to what we've talked about, about how we define our worth, because something that always was very important to me as I was an athlete and I was always seen as very like strong and that I, 
but like lift weights. And that was something I was like, Oh, okay. I can do this. Even if I'm not the best at other things. And like now there, there were days, especially in the beginning where I could literally barely like move. Like I didn't work out for like months the same way. And so getting that, it's just weird because it's very humbling and it brings you back to this idea of like, (laughs) you can't base your worth in these things, which I'm still reminding myself, but also I think even for the context of nutrition, how cool is it when you can recover and then be able to decide that you want to do things actually for your health, like your true health outside of having an underlying intention behind it too. And that was really empowering that I mm-hmm. felt like I could be at a place where I could actually do that now without repercussions um, to go back into what I used to do. Yeah, because I feel like so often that's the case, like you tell yourself or I see that online where people are saying okay they're doing that for their health but then underlying reasons are maybe aesthetic or you know fitting sort of cultural Mm -hmm. ideals or societal norms or anything like that so I think it's actually a really good place to get to where it's like okay this is actually just for my health and if that for your health means resting then that is resting yes that's always what I see is people will be like not that this is bad I did this So that's why I laugh at it because I just like can hear my whole brain telling me this, but, oh, I work out because it makes me feel really strong. Great. It probably does. (laughs) So then I say, okay, so how would you feel if I told you you needed to exercise less for your health, for where you're at now and your disordered eating? Well, I just don't think that would be the best for me. (laughs) Why don't you think it'd be the best for you? Well, because that's what makes me feel good about myself. (laughs) Right. And then it's a whole rabbit hole. And that's why I think it's like, that was literally me. And I think taking that away and having to be able to look and say, okay, what is actually best for my health today? And being able to say that rest is outside of what your body may end up looking like or how you feel because you don't feel strong. That is really choosing your health. It's not what we see on Instagram that working out every day and eating quote unquote perfectly and all that stuff. That's not true health. That's like diet culture, glamorized health. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And I was Mm -hmm. wondering, uh, what do you think are like some actionable steps that like listeners could start like implementing in their daily life? If they're like listening to this or even before listening to this, they kind of realize that maybe they have to reevaluate their relationship to food or maybe make it healthier in some way. Yeah, I love that because I think that's something that I'm still working. Honestly, I'm still working on conveying this message in a way that makes a lot of sense. Like even when I gave the example, I feel like I'm still figuring out how to communicate it to be like, okay, looking at the why, but how do you do that? So it's not so convoluted and confusing. But what I remind my clients is that Every single thing that you're doing in terms of like the physical aspects, I say physical in terms of like changing the way you eat and bought like how you view your body, those are all steps to finding out your why still. So don't get so discouraged by thinking you have to do this big step and figure out the whole picture. Just starting is amazing. I probably should have said that in the beginning, but we're here now. <laughs> and so I think something is just even like writing down or, or thinking in your head, whatever is your process. Okay. What are the things that I tell myself I have to do? Whether that's food rules, like I can't have carbs or, um, I don't know. I have to work out for this amount of day or whatever that is. Just write them down and become comfortable with 
what those are and that you actually do feel that way because that's even hard because you'll kind of rationalize like no I don't really feel that way right (laughs) it's like no that just came out of your brain you obviously feel that way and then also starting to just take little steps to learn about why that's not true so that this can be with a practitioner this can be I'm launching a group coaching course where we're going to do this exact process this can be on your own right And so learn about that. Like, why does your body need carbs, right? Like, they're literally our body's primary source of energy that it desires and can break down the most easily to fuel our brain. Okay, that gives Mm -hmm. us context when we're feeling like that. That's helpful. Or just remembering, like, because they're freaking delicious. Whatever that is for you, right? And then (laughs) building on that and taking action steps then with that. Okay, so maybe if you write down a list of things you're most afraid of, right? A lot of the times I hear bagels are really scary, but maybe like toast isn't as scary. I'm just giving random examples. So start by eating toast one time a week, even if that's half a piece of toast and that's all you can do. And then you start to get more comfortable with that. And then you build and you build and you build. And that's what I say. Then you expand and then you can take all of those things further and further. And throughout that process, you will inherently start to discover the why. Because if you realize you ate something you're uncomfortable with, feelings and thoughts are going to come up that have nothing to do with what you ate. It's going to be this guilt that you feel like you need to put on yourself and even maybe how you feel your worth is and how other people may view you differently. And sometimes it's even just taking a moment to appreciate those thoughts and to like accept them that they're coming up because like we talked about a little bit ago the easier thing to do is to push them away and to be like I'm not Mm -hmm. feeling those things or those aren't those don't connect to what I'm doing but they do and I think that whole process is what I'm like what my core values I believe in are as a practitioner that I think anybody can do it may be longer on your own because that's kind of what I did, <laughs> but you can still do it. Um, or you can do that with someone that you're working with or a group course or whatever it is. But let me know if that makes sense or if that's helpful to your question. Yeah, I took notes. So very helpful. Were you asking <laughs> Yeah, I've got my pen. So <laughs> I've got the pen. <laughs> I love that. Well, you always does this. The amount of times like I just catch Leo going... Mm. (laughs) that's me I'm always like the daughter and then I'm like "Mm -hmm," and then I'll like start writing (laughs) podcasting is basically just my therapy that's that's what it is (laughs) yes I feel like that's so true I've heard podcasters say that they're like this is literally just like an info session personalized to me (laughs) and then they're also like it's just a way to learn it's my therapy and I think that's so cool though (laughs) Yeah, because honestly, like since Leo and I started the podcast, we've had conversations with each other and then that we've we've never really been forced mm-hmm. to sit down and have. Yeah. And then we always like go away from the conversations and then voice note each other to be like, based on our conversation yesterday, I've been thinking about this and like, <laughs> this is what came to my head based on this. So it really is like, and that's why I think you're you saying as well, like if you, it's an easy process to journal as well, just sit down and mm-hmm. write it down because talking about it and writing da- writing things down is the best way to kind of actualize and realize your own thoughts, I think. Because it's, it's easy to just like have it in your head and then forget about it. And you're like, did I even think that? But if you kind of see it as a tangible thing, it becomes more real, I feel like at least. Yes, 
I agree. I think that's a huge thing is, and that's why I say like, you can do this on your own because not everybody has resources Mm -hmm. or unfortunately I, that's, I wish I could help to solve that problem more, but it's like not everybody can afford to work with someone or has access to someone or whatever it is. Right. But just a journal, like writing it down because also, like you said, the beauty is too, you also can see your progress over time. And if you went and you initially wrote down all these things that you were scared of, um, and even maybe ideas of like, Oh, okay. Well, I had this thought come up today around eating and journaling that out. I have my clients look back because I really encourage journaling as well. And they'll be like, oh, now that I look at it, I, I have come really far. Like, I'm not that afraid of this thing. Or I or I didn't work out today and I didn't think twice about it, right? And I think that's a cool thing about, like, you don't have to have someone enforcing that for you. Even just a journal, like a written record can also do that too. It's the epitome of self-care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And speaking of self-care... <laughs> Do you have any, like, favorite things that you do that you classify as, like, self-care in your day-to-day life? Yes, I am currently working on this because I am, as I told you guys, I struggle with finding my worth in work. And so I'm trying to distance that with myself. So I've been thinking about things that really do help me with self-care. Also because I always used to classify self-care when I was younger as exercise or, like, food or whatever it was and expanding that has been super amazing because at first you're kind of like well what is self-care now that I don't value those things the same way it's kind of confusing um so I I do love things just like being with friends is like so I think it's so impactful when you actually find really supportive friends and that was something that was really helpful to me. I'm very, I can be very closed off and actually opening myself up to people that really gave me support. My therapist was helping me like realize just like, you don't have to be like always filling your own cup. Like this idea of self care is like that it's all inflicted on us. Like we all, we have to do it all on our own. And she's like, for some people that's almost exhausting because you feel like you're always trying to do these things. So just for anybody else that may feel that, I feel you and also just feeling that ability to put your kind of like thoughts and feelings and even just spend time with other people. Also just simple things like even if that's getting outside, oh my gosh, Mm. so therapeutic for me. I feel like growing up in Colorado, um, in the States, like it's such an outdoorsy place and my family really valued outdoorsiness and we just moved a little bit further away from the city and we have this really nice trail And I feel like it's like when I'm out there, I feel like I can breathe. Like, Mm. I feel like it's just, Mm. I don't know. It's just so different. Um, But that's just for me. And then also uh, setting times outside of social media, taking time off. I set my um, phone shutdown, like my app shutdown till 8.30 p.m. And then it comes on at 8.30 a.m. And that makes a really big difference. That's very impressive. (laughs) That's so good. Because then it's like, I still have... um, I still have like podcasts and stuff that I'll play, but it's like, then you're not getting, it's the social media notifications and the things that really suck me mm-hmm. in. So I have to create the space around them. Um, so yeah, I feel like I didn't get very many ideas. I'm still kind of figuring <laughs> that out, <laughs> but I don't know. I love also getting inspiration from other people on Instagram and on social media. I think some people have really done such an amazing job of finding those things. Um, 
Yeah. And that's so inspiring to see, which is why I love the collaboration and communication within the space of social media. So awesome. Yeah. I also, I just wanted to say something uh, to the point that you mentioned before on like, obviously journaling and like maybe even becoming aware of your own thoughts. Because I feel like for me, when I was about like 16, 15 was like when I was probably at my worst, when it was like coming to restrictive thoughts around food. And in that time, like I didn't speak about it to anybody. I didn't even admit it to myself. And the point where I could talk about it to myself and then others, like that already meant that I'd taken a huge step. So I feel like sometimes that can almost be the hardest step because for me anyways, like I didn't want to admit to myself that I was have that I had a problem. Like I want to just be like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. So then journaling just like puts it on paper and can sometimes be like that easiest step, mm-hmm. but that almost is like the hardest step I find. I so agree with that. I think that's why every single time anybody ever DMs me or books a consult and they kind of say or allude to the fact that it's their first time talking with someone or even just sharing I always try to make a point um, and this can transfer into life even if just someone shares their journey with you and they're saying it's one of their first times just saying like that is so amazing that you took this step like you are so strong to be able to recognize Mm -hmm. this but also to speak it to someone else and just recognize that this is the first step on your journey and that if you can do this, you can do anything because this is one of the hardest parts of the journey is being able to give up the control or the kind of like comfort that we have in this like little thing that we get to keep to ourselves that no one knows about that makes us feel really safe. And so I think that is so true and such a good realization that you just spoke to because I find a lot of people feel that way. I know I didn't talk to anybody about it. I mean, once you realize it's health, like at first everybody thinks it's like, oh, I'm just being healthy. And then there's this one point where you're like, oh crap, maybe I'm not. And then (laughs) taking the next step to tell someone that you were actually unhealthy, even when they maybe were noticing that already is like (laughs) You told yourself you were doing something wrong too. So that it's a whole challenging process, but such an amazing one. Yeah. It's like admitting that you were in the wrong is the hardest bit as well. Um, But since you're talking about like with friendships and kind of telling the people around you and stuff, I was wondering if you would be willing to share maybe your experiences um, with, with, you know, your eating disorders and then like how that maybe affected your friendships and maybe like your romantic relationships as well because I think that's such a big part as well it's not only dealing with it by yourself but then knowing how to navigate it with the yeah, people around I, you. I mean I try not to ever look back and say that I regret things because I think everything happens for a reason but I guess if I could mm-hmm. think to something I wish I would have done I really wish that I would have been comfortable sharing with others because I think it would have been incredibly helpful in my journey. And for me personally, that dated back to feeling like in my childhood, if I shared something, I didn't know how it would be perceived or what that person would think or if it would be Mm -hmm. valued. And so just to kind of give that other tangible example of like why I felt that way, And that's what led me to not share. But in the end, it really hurt me because then you have no one to keep you accountable for what you're trying to do other than yourself and your idea of yourself is ever changing and your motivation. 
But when I did start to share, I did so, I think people saw a shift, obviously, but that shift was then sometimes in negative and positive ways. And when I verbalized it, it was to my boyfriend, who is so my boyfriend now. And I think he was the first person I really told, like, more about but the crazy thing about it is like (laughs) I have such an unconventional journey in this sense because I I decided that the best way to go about it would be to share a YouTube video about it and just rip off the band-aid about it so like I wouldn't say that that's everybody's journey but then from that what I realized is that people that are worth any space in your life are going to do nothing but support you. And even if that support isn't a way that's always the most helpful, because they may not understand how to do it, you know when someone wants to support you and it will not hurt any relationships that are worthwhile. If anything, it will make you feel so much more safe, so much more fulfilled, and it will allow you to see the things outside of your disorder that you're motivated to, you know, recover for because then you're like, okay, wow. Like I want to be able to go out to dinner randomly with my like good friend and not have to worry about it or to be fully present or whatever it is. And also in my relationship, I, my relationship would have been so much less like up and down if I had just shared, because how can someone understand something if you don't tell them what you're going through? So it's like, one day I'd be okay with going out to a restaurant, but then not this restaurant. And then, oh, well, not at this time. And he's like, you're crazy. What is your... <laughs> so it was it was very helpful to just have him actually know more in depth. Yeah, I can imagine. And whilst we have, like, you as, like, a qualified person on the podcast I would love because you you were talking about carbs earlier and I would love for you to like maybe some like top three like common food myths or like common diets that like you wish you could like debunk or clarify some things to people oh my gosh there's so many I mean CC <laughs> CC intuitive fasting that Gwyneth Paltrow just released that was <laughs> oh I was gonna ask you about oh that I was gosh. wondering if you'd heard of it <laughs> That's like the biggest cringe I could ever cringe, but um, (laughs) I'm trying to think of the things that I hear the most overall. I think just the carbs thing is huge. Just remembering that you really do need carbs. And I think there's this like whole movement of keto, which I'm just going to tie into that. There is not enough research on keto. If anything, keto has started to develop negative research on how it affects your kidneys and how it affects your body, especially in women. Any diet that you can't do long-term, go out to eat, live your normal life, it's not going to last and it's not worth your time. So that's my biggest thing with that. And I hear about that a lot. Also with fats, I feel like a lot of women especially, and men too actually, are still afraid of fats, especially in the fitness industry and fats are literally there I call them their protectors so I reshape um different like uh the different macronutrients like carbs I call energizers fats I call protectors and then you have like your support team which is like your fruits and vegetables and then you have your protein which is your builders I got that from my internship and uh exos performance and I loved it so I use that Mm -hmm. going forward. 
But just remembering that, like fats literally protect your organs. They have your fat-soluble vitamins. They are so incredibly important, especially for women. A lot of women will lose their periods and you have to have fats to be able to really get that back and to support your hormones and all of those things. So just to say those two, because I feel like those are very common that women think about. Also, I think this time period has passed somewhat, but not completely. So I just need to say it. Food combining is BS. Do not listen to it. If you ever hear about food combining, it's not true. (laughs) Okay. And like even anybody that tells you that you can't combine certain things or that you can't have protein at different meals or whatever it is, it's not true. Never trust anybody that doesn't have any degree explaining things in -hmm. that way. So that, that's overarching, but that's the one that I have to comment on because I feel like it's past, mm-hmm. but then I'll have someone in my DMs asking me about it. And I'm like, so it's mm-hmm. not, it's still here. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell how much it frustrates you as well <laughs> from your body language. So. Oh my goodness. Just wreaks so much <laughs> havoc on young women's brains, which is so sad because I'm like, yeah, this is not, it's not worth it, but. Anyways. I guess that's the problem with like influencer space, right? Because then, yes, you've got some voices like you and lots of others that I follow online that are actually qualified and have studied and have a backing. But the beauty and the pain, I guess, of of Instagram is that everybody can have a platform and everybody can can spew their ideas out there or release a book or an ebook, and then ideas yeah. like this can like spread like wildfire. Yeah, I know, and they do, and that's always that's a really good gauge. I kind of think that it's important to take what you said with that anything that is spreading like wildfire is likely not a good thing to fall into anything that is trendy or that seems like it's a really quick cure all quick fix it's not like ever I mean because when you think about even diets quote-unquote that's what they call more nutrition speak which hopefully I'll move more out of that in the future but The things that win awards, quote unquote, every year is the best diet to follow, right? It's always like the Mediterranean diet, the DASH diet that goes through all these comprehensive board members and people that all like dissect it and decide what's the best. And literally what it is, is a balance of different things. It's like eat fish and fruits and vegetables and whole grains, but also don't be stressed about having anything. And it's like, that's literally what is the best thing. So there's nothing that's going to emerge that's going to change this fundamental idea that you need sustainability, finding something that personally feels good for you because that's different for every single person. And also that genuinely allows you to enjoy food in your life. I always say food should fit into your life. Your life should not revolve around food. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, and because we don't want to keep you far too long, because I know we've already kept you longer than we promised, (laughs) we've got like two final (laughs) questions that we always love to ask our guests. Yes. So the first one is, what is one thing that you wish you could tell younger you? Oh my gosh. I feel like what I would tell my younger self is, first of all, this sounds cliche, but just stop worrying so much and trying to control everything because in reality, you're not in control of anything. And if you just start to learn to trust, then it will all fall into place exactly how it's meant to be. And what that looks like may be entirely different than what you planned, but that's the beauty of it because when you just go with life's ebbs and flows... 
that's when you discover what truly is the best and meant for you and where you can find what makes you the happiest. And I think the other thing is, oh my gosh, just stop being so like consumed with everything around you and look more into yourself. Like I was so angry at other people and I always like wanted to blame things or think about like food and all the different stuff as I talked about. And it's like, yet it was so hard for me to look at myself at all, I feel like. And so I think that was just so helpful when I started to realize that your own healer is you. Like, yes, you can get a practitioner to help you. You can do a group course. You can do whatever, but you are your healer. Those are the only, those people are just there to help you to discover what that looks like for you. And, you know, that is so empowering when you discover that. It's scary also, but very empowering once you can accept it. And because then you feel like, okay, at the end of the day, no one else controls how I feel. It's me. So I think that's what I would say. I feel like those are a little cliche, but very true. We love cliche. Literally, (laughs) as you were saying all this, I'm like, we need to put these in our graphics on Instagram. They're so quotable. (laughs) You are your healer, and we'll just tag you in it. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) You have to do that. It's so good. Oh, I love that. That's so sweet. Okay, this is a tough one, and if you have to think about it, we can, like, don't worry about trying to answer it quickly, because we always have people being like, you put me on the spot! <laughs> but it's, um like, who is one inspirational woman you wish you could meet? Oh my gosh. I've thought about this question, I think that it's so hard to figure out. I think you're so right. Because I feel like there's so many people in so many different, like, fields that it could be, or just, like, in general... I feel like this sounds kind of cliche as well. So now I'm just like, and I feel like there, I mean, obviously there's so many amazing people, but something I feel like would be really interesting to sit down with is Oprah, because I feel like she is the epitome of like looking inside yourself, like going through like the deep freaking trauma and then she literally uses her own experiences, but in such a selfless way to transform people's lives. And like, what is cooler yeah. than that? I mean, it's like, there's so many women that go through that process and even like practitioners, but I think there's something really special about the way that she can communicate with people and to get them to share. Mm-hmm. And that's something I'm still trying to kind of like learn in my own work and to Like, even when you listen to her interviews, it's like, she can get people to share things that you've never heard them share anywhere else. And it feels like this natural conversation between friends with someone she, like, doesn't even know sometimes. And I think that is very profound. Yeah. Like, creating such a safe space, even if you don't know them. I think it's incredible. Yeah. I'm going to watch her interview later today with uh, Meghan Markle. and. I know! Oh, and that's... (laughs) it's on my mind too so I'm like this sounds even more cliche now but she's doing this forever so it's like how do you like how would you not want to meet Oprah yeah true (laughs) no I get you (laughs) I would say Uh, the same thing I need to watch that later that was one of the first things I did this morning was like read summaries of of the interview and like look at the twitter hashtag (laughs) watch excerpts of that I can't I can't wait to see what comes about it like 
after the interview and hearing it and all the yeah. stuff, I think it's going to be so interesting. <laughs> True. Yeah. I'm interested to see like the media, the British media's response to it as well. Yeah. Because one thing is like, I think what they shared is incredible and like really vulnerable, but I know that British media has been so hard on them and especially Megan. So I just feel like they can twist anything negative that comes out of that woman's mouth for some reason. Yeah. I know. I, well, we know it's all going to be about protecting uh, the English monarchy. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for talking to us. Like, this has been... I feel like this, like, one of ours has, like, flown by. I have so many more questions. Oh, I know. It's been so yeah. fast. That maybe because I talked in circles. So no. hopefully it doesn't sound like that. <laughs> I always worry. No, it felt... No, no. <laughs> yeah, no, the flow... It felt like it flowed really well, like, I think. Good. Thank you for speaking so well and concisely. Oh, you're so sweet. That's so nice. Yes, I loved your all's questions. There are so many things that I, like, absolutely love sharing about or that come Mm. up in my work so I thought it was really cool that those are like the things you guys ended up asking because I felt like they're like the things I get excited about talking about as you can probably tell but (laughs) still (laughs) yeah no we're really glad we can like give a space you know for you to share all your insights well I can't wait to hear it and I'm so excited problem we'll link all your stuff in the bio but if you want to say anything like shout out your your handles you can do that as well um let's see this important you gotta plug yourself yes um let's see so you can follow me at malice kitchen on instagram and on tiktok those are both of my things don't make fun of my tiktok i'm just you know i'm just like millennial out here trying to keep <laughs> make it work so <laughs> um i'm also on youtube at mallory page so that one's different than the other ones but if you are interested in working together, just because sometimes I'll get questions after these, I have a consult, so you can do a 20-minute consult where we can chat and I can get to know you better. I'm also launching a group coaching course in the end of April, and that will actually go through the exact process I was explaining of how to take actionable steps. Plus, you'll have a community, which will be really fun, so that is something I'm really excited about, and I have a wait list link to, like, send in your application to reserve a spot um, and you'll get like early bird discounts or early bird access and discounts if you do that. So just to answer any of those Perfect. questions if anybody had those too. That sounds so exciting. Yes. How cool. I'm very excited. It'll be so fun to have a community because that's what we said we love, right? Yeah, community. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for all the like amazing work that you do. I think it's incredible. Oh, Thank you. You guys are awesome, and thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye.